I want you guys to finish this together with me. Um, you're allowed to yell out as loud as you like. They may take our lives, but they'll never take our... <laughs> the Lion King, okay? Simba says, oh, I just can't wait to be... Oh, it's King. Is there power? where he says, oh, I just can't wait to be free? Move on. Australians... <laughs> Australians all let us rejoice, for we are young and free. I got that one right. The best thing about the school holidays is that you finally get to be free. Pete Murray, Jason Mraz, Rage Against the Machine, The Beautiful Girls, and does anybody even like Nicki Minaj? But they all have songs, two of you, that's great. They all have songs called Freedom. And we all want to be free. You don't have to say it anymore. But am I right? We think that being free is the key to being happy. We think that the worst thing that our parents can do is get in the way of our freedom. Nothing is more important to us than our freedom. And guys, this is what stopped me giving my life to Jesus. The Christians, the people who are serious about following Jesus, they looked like suckers, giving up their freedom to follow what some God says. Everybody else seemed to be having a good time, doing what they wanted to do, drinking some of them, parties, for some of them, sex. The Christians, they looked trapped. They didn't look free. And if I had picked up the book of Galatians, which, by the way, I never did, it just amazes me how many people write off Christianity without ever actually seriously giving it a chance, seeing what it actually has to say. If I had actually picked up the book of Galatians, it would have shocked the poop out of me. Because there I was thinking that Christians are trapped and in this book. It talks about freedom 12 times. I counted them. I counted the word freedom 12 times. That is a lot of times. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Freedom, 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 freedom. What's this book about? It's a book about freedom. And so the question that we're asking tonight is, can God bring freedom? We'll just all wait for the year seven boys to sort themselves out. Maybe tonight you're thinking the same thing I was. I'm glad I'm not one of those Christians. I'm glad I'm free. Or maybe tonight you're still deciding whether you want to put your faith in Jesus, whether you want to give your life to him, and the thing that's holding you back is you're worried about losing your freedom. Or maybe your trust is in Jesus. But you feel kind of trapped. You kind of wish that you were free. And, and God and, and his book seems like the opposite of freedom. And yet it says it's all about freedom. How can this God bring freedom? And I think the first part of the answer will really surprise you. Here's the first part. God really wants you to be free. Have a look at what God says in Galatians chapter 5, verse number 1. 
It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't let yourselves be burdened again by slavery. Do you guys know what a yoke is? I'm not talking about egg yolk, okay? I'm talking about a yoke, okay? Here's a yoke. It's the wooden thing on their shoulders that stops the ox from, from walking away and, and it makes it pull the things you want it to pull. I was trying to think of a modern example of a yoke, okay? And I think a baby leash is kind of along the same lines. Do you ever see those? <laughs> Do you ever see those parents that kind of tie their kids up with a leash? I won't say which one, but one of my sisters needed a leash. That's, that's a bit like a yoke. It would be more like a yoke, actually, if they like, clipped it onto the front of the shopping trolley and made it like tow the shopping. Okay? <laughs> so a yoke is like a picture of being trapped. And here it says, don't. Be burdened by a yoke of slavery. God is commanding you right here, don't be a slave. God is commanding you, be free. Now, I think if we heard God commanding us to do something, we would think that that was being trapped. But what if the command is, don't be trapped, be free? I think this shows that commands aren't always the opposite of freedom. So what we see in this verse is that God himself really wants you to be free. In fact, he gives a reason for this command. Look at the first part of the verse. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. What's that saying? It's saying Jesus Christ has done something. His death on the cross achieved something. What did it achieve according to this verse? His death on the cross set us free. Now, this is talking about the person who's actually put their trust in Jesus. It's not talking about every single person. But for those who have trusted in Jesus, his death has set them free. And so God passionately wants you to experience unbeatable, unshakable, relentless freedom. And to achieve that, he actually died Let's just, let's just pause there for a second. I mean, just, just think about this. The all-knowing, all-powerful God of the universe wants you to be free. Do you think the best way to find freedom is going to be running away from this God and trying to ignore him? Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Now, I mean, I think I understand where people are coming from who think that. Because what we think in our society is that freedom is not having anyone tell us what to do. But that's just one aspect of freedom. What about freedom from addiction? What about freedom from other people's opinions? What about freedom from pain or loneliness or feeling empty? What about freedom from having nothing to look forward to? So you could have no one telling you what to do and yet still be an addict, hated, in pain, lonely, empty and have nothing to look forward to. And that's not true freedom. 
Our society's definition of freedom just isn't big enough. We're just like focusing on one little part of it. I'll tell you what it's like. It's like the fish in the fish tank. We'll go to that slide. It's like that fish in the fish tank. No, not that one. (laughs) No. Hold on. There we go. Thank you. They're amazing out there. It's like this fish, right? And he feels trapped by the glass walls. So what does he do? He jumps out and he lands on the table. Now, in one way, that fish actually is more free. There aren't any more walls around him. But in doing that, that fish actually just gave up a lot of other freedoms. The freedom to breathe, the freedom to swim, eventually even the freedom to be alive. There's a lot more to freedom than just whether someone is telling you what to do or not. See, if God says, stay in the tank, that's not because God wants to trap you. It's because he knows that in the tank, that's where you can breathe and swim and live. And outside of the tank, that might look like freedom, but it's not. And so I get why people think that running away from God will get them freedom. But it just doesn't work. God is all-knowing. He's almighty. And he wants you to be free. I don't think that the path to freedom is going to be running away from him. Actually, I want to think a little bit deeper about that. Because even if freedom is not having anyone tell you what to do, have you ever thought about whether that's actually possible? See, if you're not listening to God, who are you listening to? I think it's either other people or yourself. If it's other people, then... Well, you're just a slave to them and and their opinions of you. If it's yourself, then you're actually a slave to your own desires. Unless you're different to me and everybody else that I know, your own desires aren't that good for you. They're selfish and broken. And the people who just do what they want all the time, they're not actually happy. It's a path to addiction and heartbreak and loneliness and regret and hurting the people that you care about. So the Bible's very realistic about who we are, and it says that our hearts are sinful. They're destructive. So true freedom is actually being set free even from yourself. And so, guys, we are all following somebody. The question is whether it's a good master to follow or a bad master to follow. And who's the best master to have? Is it other people's opinions? I don't think so. Is it your own destructive, sinful desires? I don't think so. Is it the God who's all-knowing and all-powerful, who loves you, and who gave his own life to set you free? That's true freedom. I just want to speak honestly to you tonight. You will never be free, except in a relationship with this God who made you and loves you. I'll tell you something else about this. Um, In the last two weeks, it kind of feels like everything that I own has broken or gotten lost or somehow been trashed. For example, on Wednesday, my car engine just completely broke. It's gone. Um, Jono actually sold me the car. I think it's mainly his fault. Um, So thanks for that, brother. No, it was actually my fault. If you ever do smell your car engine burning, that's a bad sign. You should probably check that out. I'll tell you something, though. Knowing this about God actually affects how you view him in the situations of your life. 
The engine goes. It's thousands of dollars to fix it. I'm not kidding. Does God love me? What's he doing? Well, knowing verses like this one means that even when I don't know what's going on, I know that God's on my side. He's not against me. It says right here, he wants me to be free. And so I, I, I don't know what he's doing when my stuff breaks. Maybe, maybe he's just trying to get me not to focus so much on the physical stuff. Maybe I was starting to become a slave to having heaps nice stuff. And, and maybe he's trying to free me from that. I don't really know. But what I do know is that he's not against me. He actually wants me to be free. And so when something happens to you or where there's something in the Bible that you don't like or something, you just don't get it. You're like, God, what are you doing? Well, we've got to walk by faith in his word. He knows more about whatever that thing is than you do. And so you go, I don't really know what he's doing, but he says in his word that he wants me to be free. He's, he's on my side. I'm going to trust him in that. Now, and I know that's, that's not always easy to remember. And so I think we just together just need to grow at letting the Bible shape the way that we view God and situations. And I wonder if maybe that's why it's so powerful if you ever memorize a verse like this one. That might be a good thing to do. But guys, if you are a Christian tonight, God wants you to be free. Actually, if you're not a Christian, God wants you to be free. And maybe he's trying to get your attention. Now, last thing I want to say on this point, because I want to say something to the person here who is a Christian but doesn't feel very free. And maybe actually you're, you're tempted to drift away from God for something that looks like freedom in one of your friends' lives. I just want to ask, is it possible that the problem is not that you're so close to God that he's cramping your style, but maybe the problem is you don't know him well enough? Kind of like um, a grandpa getting frustrated at an iPad. See, the problem isn't that with the iPad, the problem is he just doesn't know what he's doing. If we as Christians feel trapped and, and wish that we had more freedom, I wonder if sometimes it's because we haven't really got our heads around God and his love and his grace enough. Maybe there's a part of Christianity that hasn't quite clicked for you yet. So don't run away now. If that's you tonight, I want you to hear God speaking to you in verse number one. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. All right, I think everything I've said so far has been true in general. But in this passage, there's a specific way that a person can end up in slavery. Okay, Here's point number two, how to end up in slavery. It's this, think about Jesus like a bank. Okay, There's a specific issue in this church that's causing them to go back to slavery. That's why Paul says in verse number one, don't be burdened again by slavery. So then verses two to five, they tell us how that's happening. And at first it seems pretty harmless. If you've got your Bible there, have a look at verse number two. Paul says, mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself get circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. So what's the thing that's, that they're going to do that's going to land them back in slavery? It says if they let themselves get circumcised. Now, if you have just joined us recently, 
This thing called circumcision has been mentioned a few times. So I'll tell you what it is. Circumcision is this religious ceremony where the dude gets a little bit of skin down there, if you know what I mean, snipped. Okay? That's all it is. It's a religious ceremony. A minor surgical procedure. So, some of you just realized for the first time you're with us all term. So it's pretty weird what Paul says here, right? Does Paul think that this circumcision is some terrible thing that God hates? Well, that can't be it because in verse number 6 he says, have a look at verse number 6, In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. So it doesn't matter whether you're circumcised or not. And some of you guys just breathe a sigh of relief. It's just like this, this probably painful thing, but it means nothing in itself. Okay, so that tells us that there must be something about the way that they're approaching it because he does say in that verse, verse number 2, that if they let themselves be circumcised, then Christ will be of no value to you at all. Jesus won't be their saviour if they approach him in this certain way. So how are they approaching Jesus? They're approaching Jesus like a bank. Okay, I'll show you what I mean. The clues are in verses 3 and 4. Have a look at verse number 3. Because here Paul tells them that circumcision is, is part of a bigger thing called God's law. And if they start down the path of God's law, they've got to follow that road all the way to the end. Have a look at verse number 3. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated, that means required, to keep the whole law. So what's he saying there? He's saying getting circumcised is something that God's law said that you needed to do to be in a relationship with God. And so apparently these guys were starting to think that they needed to add this thing to their relationship with Jesus. They were treating Jesus a bit like a bank. See, if you give something to a bank, they then owe you, okay? When I was little, I used to put 50 cents in the bank every single week, um, And about six months later, I wanted to buy a $12, that's how much you get after six months of that, Power Ranger action figure. Are there any Power Ranger fans here? Okay, okay. So, if I went to the bank, they would then give me, (laughs) wow, lots of you go on and talk about them, um, Can we go to the next slide? If I then went to the bank, they would then owe me my $12. And for a lot of people, that's how they approach God. They think when they do good things, God kind of owes them. So if you add up all the times that you said something nice about someone, or you didn't punch your little brother in the face, or you, you even came to a church, you add all those times up, God probably owes me a lot. Well, these guys in Galatia, in this church, they had Jesus, but they thought that's not enough. They thought it's not enough just to get a relationship with God just by trusting Jesus. They thought of Jesus like a bank. They thought that if they wanted to get anything out of him, they also needed to make some kind of contribution. They thought if they did this good deed, getting circumcised, then they would get a relationship with God. And I reckon there are probably people here tonight just like that. You think Jesus is kind of like a bank. 
You probably didn't use that word, but you know, yeah, he died for me, but you think if I'm going to get a relationship with God from him, then I also need to add some kind of a contribution. Or maybe you actually don't think you need Jesus at all because he's, he owes you. You think you've saved up so many contributions. And Paul says, that's wrong. Jesus is not like a bank. It's not about you making any kind of contribution at all. And if you think like that, you'll end up a slave. Have a look at why in verse number three. Again, I declare to you, every man who lets himself be circumcised, he is required, obligated to keep the whole law. So here's what happens if you treat Jesus like a bank. You start to rely on how you go at keeping God's laws. But if you want to rely on the law, then you've got to keep the whole thing. You can't pick and choose. You can't just get circumcised and think, I've made a contribution. But then every time you lie, well, you just, you just broke the law that you're trying to rely on. So if you want to bring God's law into it, then you need to keep the whole thing. So unless you can keep the law perfectly, then all he really owes you, if you're going to rely on that, is punishment for breaking it. It's kind of like, dude, you probably don't want to bring that up. That's not going to help your case. That's kind of like what Paul's saying. So if you're thinking, wow, keeping the law perfectly, doing everything that God required perfectly, that sounds really heavy. That sounds like slavery. It is. That's, that's the point. If you treat Jesus like a bank, you'll end up a slave. You're setting yourself up for a whole life of endless rule-keeping, and you won't be able to do it. It'll be slavery with a punishment at the end. God knows that we can't do that. God knows that you haven't done that. And that's why he sent Jesus. Verse 1 says that Christ has set us free. And this, this slavery to rule-keeping, is the main thing in this particular passage that he has set us free from. He set us free from the set of rules that you would have needed to keep or else you wouldn't have had a relationship with God. You would have gone to hell. He has set us free from basing our relationship with God on our performance. I'll give you an illustration of this. Um, imagine my dad says to me, um, Hazy. He doesn't call me Hazy because he's Hazy as well. But uh, imagine my dad says to me, If you are good enough, then I'll let you stay in my family. Well, what's that going to do to me? I'm always going to be worried. Am I good enough? I'll be a slave to trying to earn my place in that family. I'll be a slave to fear. Now, the opposite of that would be if my dad says, Hazy, my son, I promise you that no matter what, as long as you want to be in this family, we'll love you, we'll accept you, you belong here. Well, then the only question is, do I want to be in this family? See, I could choose maybe to run away, but while ever I want to be in that family, I know that I'm loved. I know that I'm accepted. I know that this is a place that I belong. And so, guys, this is true freedom. For the Christian, this is what their relationship with God is like. They don't treat Jesus like a bank. They don't think that Jesus owes them anything because of how well they've obeyed him. It's the freedom of a relationship that's based on a promise. And that's what verse 6 is talking about. It says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. 
So Christ Jesus has died to set you free, and he's made a promise. He said that if you trust in me, I will bring you to God. I'll forgive your sins, and I'll give you eternal life forever. And so if you want to get that, what's the only thing that matters according to verse number 6? It says faith. In other words, trusting Jesus' promise. Now some of you might be wondering, what does it mean when it says faith expressing itself through love? It's kind of like saying faith has a certain style. You know how some people have a style when they walk? There's some people who walk like like, I don't know, monkeys. There's some people who walk like with swagger, which I'm not going to try and do. And then there's some people who walk like soccer players, okay? And so you basically have um, people expressing their style in how they walk. And this is saying, what's the style that faith has? How does true faith express itself? Well, it says there, in love. So you'll know if you have true faith, if... Or because, number one, it's in the right person, Jesus. And then number two from this verse, because it's expressing itself in love. Love is a sign that your faith is real. Your faith is actually expressing itself. But notice there that it's not your love that saves you. It's not about whether you have enough love. What matters is faith. And so if you tonight, wherever you are, want to know Whether Jesus is your saviour, not your bank, the question is this. Am I trusting in Jesus to save me? And then is that being shown in my life by me growing in love toward God and other people? And if not, if that's not you, listen in, because I'm going to tell you what's on offer for you if you put your trust in Jesus. But if you do have your trust in Jesus... I want you to listen in as I tell you just how good it is to have this freedom in Jesus. I want to show you two things. Number one, the freedom of knowing that your relationship with God does not depend on anything about you. Verse 6 says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. That's the only thing that counts in your relationship with God. It's not even how much faith you have. It's just, are you relying on Jesus? Do you guys see why that's freeing? It's it's the freedom from box ticking and rule keeping. So you don't need to wonder, have I done enough? You don't need to live by a list of do's and don'ts. It's the freedom from having to put on a good performance. You don't need to act a certain way or live up to a certain standard for God to love you. It's the freedom of knowing you will always be loved. There's nothing that you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing that you can do to make God love you less. Do you know that you can never do anything so bad that God regrets or changes his mind about saving you? That God already knows every mistake and sin that you're going to do from now till the moment you die... And he knew all of that the moment he decided to call you to belong to his family. You can't surprise him. He knows all of that and still he chose to love you, to die for you, and to call you into his family. And all of this brings the freedom of not being a slave to other people's opinions. 
because you know that you are loved and accepted by the God who rules the universe. That's number one. Number two, the freedom of knowing that your future is secure. Have a look at how verse 5 says it. It says, For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. Now see what it says about our hope, our future? It calls it our righteousness. Let's talk about heaven when we will be completely 100% righteous in every detail. We won't sin. So I'm at heaven there. And, and do you see how it says, not we wonder if we'll get it, but it says we eagerly await it. We're waiting. It's like um, the iPhone 6 going to be released. There's no secret about whether that's coming. It's coming, okay? We know for sure it's coming. And it's like that with, <laughs> it's probably better than that with heaven, Our future is secure. It's coming. And so this brings the freedom of not having to wonder whether everything will work out in the end. Because we've seen the end of the story and it's an insanely happy ending. Guys, this is the freedom of grace. This is what's on offer for you if you put your trust in Jesus to save you, if you have that faith that's expressing itself in love. Now, I think some of you guys are trusting in Jesus, but you haven't fully wrapped your head around this grace. You are trusting in Jesus. He is your Savior. But when you sin, you feel guilty. And you kind of punish yourself or try to like work off that sin. It's like how some people, after they eat like a Mars bar, they feel bad, so they go to the gym. Do you guys know that Jesus came so that you don't need to work off your sin at the spiritual gym? I don't know what it is for you. I was talking to John about it before. For him, it was like listening to, I might get this wrong, but listening to like Christian music and like trying to feel all emotional about his sin to convince himself and God that he was really sorry. And for me, it's kind of like trying not to sin for a while. And if I do that successfully, then I'm convinced that I've worked off that sin. But you don't need to do that. Jesus has already done it. It's paid for already. Jesus paid it all. That's grace. And so I know some of you tonight, you feel weighed down by guilt for stuff that you've done. Just give your guilt to Jesus. Rest it on his grace. And I wonder if, I hope right now, you're starting to see how great this freedom is. I'll finish, but tonight, right now, I want you to actually think about where you're at with Jesus. We talk about him a lot. Guys, have you actually put your trust in Jesus to save you? If you haven't done that, why not tonight? Why not make tonight the night that you stop living as a slave to yourself? And you started to live for God, the good master, the one who sent his son to free you from your sin. Why don't you trust in Jesus tonight? If you tonight are trusting in Jesus, here's the message for you. Stand firm in the freedom that Christ has set you free to have. If you are in Christ tonight, you are free from your guilty conscience. Tonight, you are free from the punishment of your sin. Nothing bad is waiting for you when you die. Tonight, you are free from the empty life that sin would lead you to. 
He's broken its power so that you can live a better kind of life. One day you will be free from this broken world. You'll live in heaven, the rock-solid new creation, where you'll forever be free from sickness, sin, and suffering. Some of that's still around now, but we will one day be free. Even free from death itself, you will live forever. Christ has set us free from the punishment of sin, from the power of sin, and one day from even the presence of sin. Don't treat Jesus like a bank. Trust his promise that you don't need to make any contribution at all. 